0: I was walking out of the bathroom a few minutes ago, and as I opened the door, Cecil, like I'm walking out, and Cecil's still in the bathroom. He says, oh, that's nice and warm. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mr. Walker, introduce yourself, buddy. Uh, Nathan Walker, Walker Automotive in Wilmot, New Hampshire.
0: Wilmot, New Hampshire. Where, how
1: far,
2: like where in New Hampshire is that? Um, a little
1: south of central. So what I've got forward uh what I'm looking forward to when I leave here Friday night is going home to about a 100 degree temperature swing.
0: Oh my yeah.
1: god.
2: Oh, yeah. It's yeah.
0: going to be in the minus 20s Friday night. I uh
2: I think I would stay here if I was completely <laughs> honest with you. You what, think? what airport does like Southwest and stuff fly into? That's uh Boston has the most options.
1: Manchester is like half the distance but a lot of times there's uh, you know layovers and stuff. Whereas okay. Boston, Boston was direct to here, so that was easy.
2: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm okay with the layovers. He he always makes fun of me because he's like, "Why are you flying to Chicago first? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like well, it's 35 minute wait, and then I, I I get off the plane, I walk to the he, next plane, I get back on, he, and we here's go. the thing about layovers. Is that the layover increases your
0: likelihood of having a delay or something happening by 50% at least not
2: Southwest Southwest had a stellar reputation right up until like the last two to three months. They had a stellar reputation on being on time and it wasn't until it's been in the last year, like all of a sudden I'm having problems, but my wife used to have she used to travel two weeks out of every month she was yeah. on the road wow. and she would not fly anything but southwest because yep. she's like yep. i'm gonna get on the plane i'm gonna get off on time yep. and i end. never have to worry about they it I don't get delayed reputation. yeah yeah and and so i've always i've attached to that yep. he doesn't he's out of charlotte and their hub is american right, right. And, so and, and he flies american and it's a Crapshoot whether you'll get on that. No, (laughs) hey, knock on wood. I better (laughs) knock on wood. I have never,
0: I have. They you always take direct flights. They've never let me down, and now I've got enough points that when I show up in the airport and I'm in there so much, they're like, Mister Underwood, don't worry. That flight was canceled. We'll move you to this one. And all those people, they moved me right up in the front of
2: that line. And all those people are really upset about it. And the other it, thing too, is that it's not a hub. Kansas City's not a hub for anybody. So may, maybe after this change, it will be, do you think that? No, they, heck no. Nobody wants to fly out of Kansas city. It's not the point. I, I'm okay with it because they have a hub in Dallas and they have a hub in Chicago. Uh, and Chicago. so all of the, well, it's midway, which is a tiny airport. It's not, it's not O'Hare. O'Hare's yeah. a nightmare. Oh, yeah. here's a walk. So Charlotte, you go into Charlotte. It's like, oh, okay. I'm I'm 45 minutes to the gate from this plane to that plane. 45 minutes, and not, it's a walk. <laughs> halfway, <laughs> you're huffing. Yeah, you're like wheezing. You're like, <gasps> you ask for the cart. <laughs> yeah. Then they're like, you're not that old that you're asking for <laughs> a cart. Then you get offended. You're like, how did do you don't don't age me? But you if know, you're, uh, if you're looking, at you're watching like.
1: I don't have time. I gotta get <laughs> right. there. I gotta Well and go. my heart rate is
0: also which, we what is that, is the time we, or my heart uh, rate? <laughs> when we
2: flew to um to uh what did it was well, Tools. We went to Tools in yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah and that was uh flying into what's the name of the town? Uh Allentown. Allentown Yeah, Allentown. So we fly into Allentown. I love that airport. That airport is awesome because yeah. it's it's literally just a, a runway. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's so. a big room with a runway on the end of it. Yeah, I've flown into a few of those, and that's fine. But to get there, you have to fly into Charlotte, and we land, and it's like, hey, Terminal Six D, Gate Fifty yeah. Eight. You're like, what in the? Okay, we ran. It's... My, me, and my whole family have two little kids yeah. running, and we're like, we gotta go. We gotta. We barely got on that plane.
0: I so I was in Charlotte um, before uh apex two years ago and there were all these flight cancellations like the day before so i get into charlotte and dude, the entire concourse like before you go through security is packed Uh, i mean you can't walk you can't breathe people are throwing things and i i just had this really lucky event as i'm as i'm like going through right i'm trying to even just find a line to get through TSA, right? And and I'm asking, and there's a sheriff's officer there. I'm like, man, do you know where line's at? He said, buddy, he said, I'll be honest with you. You can find a line, be my guest, get in it. But he said, I, I don't think anybody knows what's going on. He said, we're just here trying to keep the peace. Mm. And so at that point, there was a there was a young girl, um, and she was one of the porters pushing a wheelchair. And she's pushing it through, and she comes by, and this man grabs the wheelchair out of her hands, and he grabs it, and he throws it. And he, like, takes it out of her hands and tosses it. and I mean, like, into a sea of people, right? There's nowhere to (laughs) go. And so she just, like, breaks down. And and so I walk over to her, and I just felt terrible for this poor girl because I said, hey, you know, there's a spot over there between the, like, there's a spot where the, the area before security closes down a little bit. And we were standing in that closed down spot. And right outside that, there was this little cutaway where she could go walk. And I said, hey, I said, you're doing a really good job. And it's okay. Like, walk out there and just catch your breath. Go over there. You can mm. step aside, pull your mask down, catch your breath. You're okay. Because I could see her, like, going in full-blown panic mode, you know. And I felt bad. And I think everybody in the room was panicked at that point because it's just mm. a, a, on the verge of being a riot. Yeah. So, she walked over there. She got her wheelchair. She pushed it over there. And a few minutes later, she came back. And she said, where did you need to go? And I said, I'm trying to get to anything pre-check. I've got to get to a B – I think it's B60 or B16, which is at the very end of the B concourse. And I, I said, I just need you to point me in the direction of security so I can get in the TSA line so I can go. And I've only got like 15 minutes to get there. I think I've missed yeah. my flight. And she said, Come with me. And she like drags me all the way up to the front of the TSA pre check line, pulls the little thing up and says something, shows her badge and says something to the guy at TSA. And so. I start to like go through the line and I'm putting my stuff up. He said, no. He said, she said, you're going through security. You need to go and like points at me. And I like run through security, dude. I run up into the gate and
2: and he's like, we're closing the door, We're closing the door. And I'm like running down the jet
0: bridge (laughs) to get on the airplane, you know, like, holy cow.
2: Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now
0: Click the link in the show notes to get started.
1: <laughs> Eric <laughs> That's did not close. make that flight. <laughs> That's too close for comfort.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. And, uh, you know, I, that is the only tight experience I've ever had with American. I don't think I've ever had. And that wasn't their fault. <clears throat> they they yeah. couldn't have done anything about it. They said that, that there was something like uh, 52,000 people pre-security in that airport that morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was no you couldn't <laughs> even breathe.
1: <laughs> so. Well, Chicago, I got stuck. Overnight in Chicago on two consecutive trips. Holy cow. In O'Hare? Two consecutive trips, yeah. O'Hare or Midway? Uh, Midway. Yeah. And I was like, and I heard many people say, whatever you do, try to not schedule a layover.
2: Yeah. In In Chicago? In Chicago, yeah. Oh, we do it all the time. Because I fly out of Kansas City. It's like, if you're trying to get anywhere, Mm. you're going to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <Two, laughs> He's two trips making him nervous. He's like, what? Yep. <laughs> two trips in a
1: row. I was like, all right. I yeah. Am, I am trying to avoid this airport
0: at all. any I, cost. I, I will do my very best to fly direct everywhere I can
2: because I mean, the just, winter's, the winter can be a little dicey, but you know, that's no different than New Hampshire. Like, sometimes a lot of snow. Like, it oh, is yeah. what it is. Yeah.
1: Being in a plane, having to have it de
0: iced is quite common. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you were sharing a little bit about your shop ownership journey and that that you've been doing it a while. 31 years. Yeah. And so you've been in this, how long did you say you'd been in this group? Well, it, it changed
1: from RLO, you know, to, yeah. uh, the Institute being uh, purchasing them out, but between the two, uh, 18 years. And I found out the, uh, I was the infamous, been at in the longest oh. of any current member, I don't know if that's good or bad, slow learner, (laughs) slow learner, maybe.
0: So, um, you know, I I was pretty inspired by what you were telling me earlier. Um, because one of the things that we've talked to a lot of shop owners about, and we've had a lot of these discussions, is a lot of guys write it out to the very end and they say the shop is my retirement and this is it. And I'm going to sell it and I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'm going to do something. That's going to be my exit strategy, right? Yeah, Yeah. And it sounds like you've come up with a different plan. Tell me what the plan is.
1: Well, the plan, so I just turned 60. My plan for many years was to have a strategy in place by by the time I was 62. Now, whether that was finding someone who was going to buy me out completely or be a partner. So I only had to work, you know four days a week, three days, whatever it may be. But just to give myself more flexibility to be able to do more things I wanted to do. Right. Uh, So luckily the current uh, guy employee I'm working with was going to buy a place, had it all worked out, had the financing SBA local bank plus savings. And uh, the deal fell through and he was in my office interviewing at that time, he expected to, you know, be in his new business, yeah. running it, and but within a half hour of us sitting there talking, and me finding out that I had like this amazing candidate to possibly be my successor, you know, yeah. sitting right in front of me, uh, to him saying, "I can already tell that this is this is going to be a better fit than what the other one right. was," and i and I'm already glad that fell
0: through because I just. I got a better feeling about this already. And, so. and isn't that, isn't that amazing how like life just finds the perfect path?
2: You know yep. what I mean? Like things just, you know, what was it? The guy said, life oh, has, the, has not found a perfect path. What are you talking about? <laughs> to literally dodging dumpster fires every single day. What in the hell are you saying? You dodge dumpster. <laughs> fires. You're 60 years old. You're not that old. Look, you're making me feel bad here because I'm, like, not that far away from you. I'm not saying I'm six years old. I may look like I'm six years old, but I'm not that far away from you. You definitely don't act like you're 60 years old. (laughs) You know, I freak everybody out because I tell them, I'm like, you know, middle age isn't in your 40s. Middle age is in your 30s, right? So, all my techs are middle-aged. I'm like, you're going to croak at 74 on average. So... (laughs) (laughs) 37 dude you're middle-aged i know yeah well and you're over the hill (laughs) (laughs) but you know things are going to change or whatever like you may have another 25 30 years 35 years like that's a whole lifetime for this one over here so like why try to get out of the business i guess is what i'm asking oh 31 years and I should have added up the number
1: of uh, employees when I was looking when I was telling you about looking at QuickBooks yeah, to get information yeah. on a past guy I should have added up the number of employees over 31 years I've had I mean it does kind of wear on you you know uh, I've had, yeah. had my ups and downs a lot of ups and downs uh definitely on the upside now and feel the best I've felt in a long time as far as about the you know the people I have in place and sure. not having to go and work every day and like coming to this and feeling like I don't. Everything. I don't even to need okay. to. Yeah. They'll, they'll text me or call me if there's a problem. And if I don't hear from them, I know I'm going to come back and there's not going to be any any problems. You know. Yeah. So that's a great feeling. Um, but you know, have, uh 31 years. Uh, I worked 10 years before that at a Chevy Cadillac dealer as a flat rate tech. So that was, you know, so that's 41 years. You know, it's like. I feel like I've had, I mean, you know, there's certain actually one of the biggest things that I'm like, oh my God, am I going to have to start paying for my own car repairs? That's actually one of the things that <laughs> has gone through my head. You know, like,
2: I, I've said that before. I'm like, yeah. it, everybody makes fun of me that I'm going to try to sell the shop as quickly as possible. But I'm like, I'm not paying retail. <laughs> yeah
1: <you> know, <laughs> for car repair had, i had enough cars and enough repairs done and i'm like oh my god if i had to pay for all those oh things, i know right? And, oh, now, right and now i might have to pay for i'm like maybe i have to work something into the deal yeah that's you it, know, that's like, it. <laughs> when it's slow we can pick and choose when you work on my cars but you know we uh we, we get a deal you know we work a deal out or something uh. but what's next though uh well i have a, a place up in maine
2: so like I was telling you, when I leave here Friday, it's that's kind of, what they do when they're up in new England, like Northern part of new England, they just go further North.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You go North. Uh, hang on. I'm, I am the complete opposite of that. I'm already trying to figure out how to go farther South. Well, huh? It's funny. We, uh, we have a lot of what we call
1: snowbirds, you know, the people that summer, you a know, lot in Florida, uh, or winter, I should say winter in Florida, they come in back to our area in the summer. Um, and there's a lot that move down here, and it's funny how many you know it's like a year, two years, a couple of yeah. years later they're back.
0: Hey, no, they, see, we listen. We've got a term for that. Okay, so <laughs> I'm from the mountains of North Carolina, and the thing about the mountains of North Carolina is, is that in the mountains of North Carolina, it's two hours on the airplane to here. Okay, not even quite two hours, and so right now it's in the 40s, 30s, 40s there. Okay, the the coldest it gets is probably zero. Okay. Yeah. The hottest it gets is probably 95. So what we have found is everybody from up there comes to Florida and then they become halfbacks because they come halfway back yeah. and they land in North Carolina. And then they transit to Florida when it's cold and come back to North Carolina when it's warm because they can't handle the heat. So Oh, yeah. The heat is. It's intense. People that don't grow here. up in it aren't used to it right they don't handle it very well oh I know uh tell us a little bit about your journey of starting a shop all right so uh just
1: had the there's nobody in my family that's mechanical mm-hmm. uh you know so many times I hear you know at meetings like this and stuff you hear about all these you know the generational things <laughs> nobody in my family was even mechanically inclined okay like at all somehow I, I don't know where I got it but I just, right from the beginning, wanted to someday run my own shop. Yeah. So uh, out of high school, went to technical, you know, two-year technical uh, associate degree program. Graduated first in my class. Uh, Granted, that was like a class of like 30-some-odd that started, and only like uh, six or seven of us graduated. You know, high attrition rate. Uh, Bounced around a couple dealerships, and finally— like I say, yeah, ended up at uh, Bank Chevrolet Cadillac and Concord, big big dealer. Uh, basically, that's where I really got my roots of on the job training, and also a lot. Of, and they provide a lot of training. Okay. So I worked there ten years, but was always the goal was always by thirty to have my own place. So I had purchased a piece of land, had a ranch house on it, but it was uh, you know in a commercial right on a main road and everything. So I built the shop. And then I, I still worked at the dealer, which is thirty miles away, for a year. So I worked full time at the dealer for a year while I was started right start time shop, yeah, part time at my own shop. And that was a rough year. I bet so. Uh, I really wouldn't really recommend it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Let's just say, if I was married at the time, I probably wouldn't have been married still. Right. A couple of years later. Um, I mean, there was many, many, uh, it was a small town where, you know, where I grew up and where I have my shop. It was only about seven, 800 when I, uh, when I grew up and it's only like twice that now. Uh, but there was many nights that uh, the local cop would stop in, you yeah. know, just poke his head in the door. I see, the light's still on, just want to make sure you're all right. You know, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, right. 1 o'clock. Not too often that was that late, but once or twice, you know, and then have to get up the next morning drive do it all 30, over again. 35 minutes well so that was a rough year but you know i quit like the week of my 30th birthday went to work you know full-time and um when my first employee was a guy who i worked with and had come and was working part-time also just like i was yeah you know, helping me at my shop and then uh you know 30 years later it's uh, been a roller coaster of many employees and many ups and downs and how how much did you pay for the piece of property in the first shop? Uh, the property when I bought it, I paid. I think it was like a uh, hundred thousand. Okay. And did you save all that up, or did you finance it, or did you? Uh, I had saved a good portion of it. Actually, uh I was a saver. Right. You know, I would. The uh, I forget who was that the dealership would come to me from time to time and say, you know. You get like six paychecks you haven't cashed. Will you, will you please deposit those things? <laughs> right. like I, I have them <laughs> yeah. in a drawer in my toolbox, you know, uh, right? which wasn't the wisest thing to do, but it's just, a, you know, I didn't spend it, you know. So, yeah, I was a, a
0: saver, so I had saved up a lot, you know, so I didn't have to borrow too much. And then you financed the rest, and, and did you build your own building? Yeah, and- yep. So,
1: built the building, then it was uh, about 15 years later, put an addition onto it, um, you know, still remember the first year uh cracked a million, which I never ever you know right maybe. I envisioned myself and a helper or two, maybe you know, you know it's and now we're half again past that, you know type of thing, yeah. so just gone into territory I never ever envisioned right, even remotely possible, you know, so and making more money than I ever
2: envisioned, right. Well so why not go in the direction of the like nine shop owner like why uh, not go in that direction
1: That's just that's just not my thing I really? one time I thought it was and I uh so actually I actually have a, a stepdaughter who lives in Australia so I've I've been to Australia several times I had a daughter a little, little older than your average uh, person so when my daughter was uh I think she was only like maybe seven, and she had, she'd flown to Australia like four times already by the time she was seven. And so one time when my wife and dog were in Australia, I was went and was talking with a guy I knew who was looking to get out and, yeah. you know, was talking about buying a shop and everything. And you know, it's kind of one of those. I was riding a little bit of a roller coaster of you know, right. yes, I want to have a second shop, and then then you go through all these. Uh, problems at your shop with employees or problem yeah. cars or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, I'm dealing with these problems. And if, I mean, obviously <laughs> I know that twice as many, <laughs> yeah, I know that having listened to the, the guys here and who are obviously very successful, you know, it's all about they delegating. They all say
2: you have to get past three. Yep. Yeah. Three, three shops. So that's what talking, they say.
1: I was just talking with a guy today and he said, Oh, I get two shops. And I said, you know, that's not good. He said, Two is not good. You yeah. need to either yeah. have one or three or more. Or more, right. yeah. It just puts you in a position where you can have another person yeah. overlook everything. So, and I was never great at delegating. That was one of my problems. Um, so,
0: I, uh, I I sense know. when when you say it was a roller coaster, and I sense when you talk about the employees that there's there's a little bit of pain or a little bit of like you feel it deep down <laughs> inside when you say that. Is that oh, yeah. is that? That's accurate? one thing you
2: don't learn. Everybody learns to work on cars. It was something I probably should have mentioned on the panel, but it, it's like the the advice. What well, I cannot remember what it is that we were talking about, but the part of the 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 uh, perception in the industry is due to well, shop owners don't have any soft skills. Yeah. And like you worked on cars. That's what you did. You didn't manage people. And all of a sudden you're a manager of people, not a fixture of cars. And like the gentleman was asking, how do you even get to the point where you're not putting out fires all day long? It's like, stop answering their questions. And it's just some of those little.
0: You know, here's the thing is, is we've got to remember that you have a different experience than even a lot of us. Right? Because you were trained in a corporate setting. You were trained to hire and fire and delegate and lead people. Right? They don't train you. You well, okay. You're a so a you fairy. weren't a tech. You just started out as a tech.
2: I went to tech school, flunked, and then flunked. Out. <laughs> I didn't flunk. Out. I just <laughs> didn't finish. Um <laughs> I just gave up. <laughs> I just gave up. Well, I didn't have the money. I was I was paying out of pocket yeah. and it know. was like it was like eleven hundred bucks for the semester, and I, I I signed up for some scholarships, and it was down to me and a single mom. Guess who got it? <laughs> it wasn't me. We we don't <laughs> we don't you know
0: we don't talk about your whole story nearly as much as everybody else's whole story on this show. It's because you react so much <laughs> and you you driving the little beaters. And like
2: back and forth to school and the uh, what's that? No, I had a nice car then. Oh, I had oh, some brand new Honda Civic oh, Si. That's what it was. That's what it was. I can't. Imagine. I ended up selling parts, but okay. they in the parts world, what they do is they get young, younger people um, to to take a really low salary and work them seventy to eight hours, eighty hours a week. That's it. Yeah and they're like, "Hey, we're going to promote you to store manager." You're like, "Oh, well, here's your salary." At the time they gave you a very nice stock option. Bonus, I'd be a millionaire right now if I hadn't sold out. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that's that's something that I would, you know, I wish somebody had walked up and said, "Doesn't matter what you think you're going to do with that money. Whatever you think you're going to make with that money. Do not sell until the very last minute well, and then dump it all." I, I know a girl who um her dad was one of the original
0: Lowe's hardware employees mm-hmm. and and he worked up through the ranks and it it had nothing to do with with money or anything else. He loved the company. he was loyal to the company, worked for him for years, and never touched anything to do with that stock option, just kept it and just sat on it and you know he started almost i guess it would have been fifty years ago. Well,
2: they, they, they had you, you were fully vested in four years and you had to do something with it by year 10. So if I had, or you get fired, but you had to do something. with. So when you had a 10 year option to do something with it, but you know, by, by your fifth year, you get itchy and you're like, man, it's, I'm going to cash out $60,000. Let's go. Let's do this. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> anyway, Wait, anyway, yeah. they they uh, so they, they hire these kids in. And when I say kids, I'm like, they're early 20s, right? Yeah. yeah. And they work them like borrowed meals. That's all it is. Like, and, and, hey, your payroll percentage needs to be 11%. And you're like, okay. And it's not even, 11's high, by the way. I'm talking like 9% mm-hmm. payroll percentage. And a, a payroll percentage of 9% and they store doing 100,000 to 150,000 to when I left, I was doing almost $300,000 a month in sales, a 9% payroll percentage in a $300,000 store lets you have some employees. But when you're doing $85,000 a month, 9% per payroll percentage is nothing. Yeah, That's you and maybe two other employees. And so yeah. somebody has to staff the store from 7.30 to 9.30 at night, seven days a week. Yeah. Who's going to be there to do that? The salaried employee. Yeah, That's the store manager. So the ones that survive and make it past those first couple of years are the ones that figured out, I got to learn some soft skills. I got to be able to manage a whole bunch of part-time employees, Mm -hmm. some older, some younger. I've got to be able to figure out how to get all my tasks done on a daily basis. I've got to not be the person that answers all the questions, answers all the phones, check out all the customers, looks up all the parts. I can't do that. Thousands of phone calls are coming in constantly. So you still, you learn very quickly to delegate, delegate and inspect. And th- that, that experience has served you well. It really has. I
0: mean, because I, 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 I threw it all out the window when I opened my shop. <laughs> Cause I mean, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sitting here thinking about it. Right. And I'm thinking, man, I wish somebody had told me some of that, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I could have really done something with that, you know? And I, I, I think as owners, it's, it's all too often that you know i feel each one of those employees right i'm the same way i look in my shop management software i look in quickbooks and i see all those inactive employees and i'm like you know like it it's not exactly a good feeling and but but that's what business does right yeah i mean
1: you, there's times when unfortunately you you hire a body you know yeah most of the time you try not to do that but there's there were times when i did that many times and it was just it was worse than having nobody yeah. as it turned out, Yeah, you know, but, uh, almost every time, the-
2: almost every single time that yeah. ends up being the case. Yeah. yeah. It's uh part of the learning experience, you know, as they say. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately I see, but a lot of that stuff, like you abandon it, you abandon it because they were in, in operating a store. It doesn't matter how big it is. The one thing, like for me, the one thing I didn't have to deal with, because, you know, you look back at that and go, I was wildly successful at what I was doing. I was able to show double digit growth year over year during the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. There were, and even then, like when I was, even before that, I had competitors coming into town and I wasn't showing a decrease in sales. You know, I had upper management coming in going, every other store has a competitor come in, sees double digit Decrease in sales, you're flat for the year. Well, yeah, I am because I do X, Y, and Z. And I look back and I'm like, why was I able to execute so easily there? And the difference is when you open your own business, all of a sudden, things that they were able to handle at corporate were now on you. Specifically the marketing. I always had customers. You open the doors, you turn the sign on, phones start ringing. Customers are coming in the door. Your job was to retain those customers, convert those phone customers into in the walking customers and take care of those walking customers to make sure they come back a second time and that they always come to you, yeah. to the, to your store, that you have a good crew, that you're reliable, that you hire good people. There's things you put in place, sure. but you never had to worry about where the customers gonna, where's that next car going to come in. And that, that, was uh, earth shattering for me and paying the taxes. And handling the—I know—I still don't pay the taxes. I don't pay those taxes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to deal with that. He's in New Hampshire. Sales tax? No sales oh. tax in New Hampshire. They have income tax though, right? If, live free or die. You—you <laughs> you guys have income tax though, there. Yeah, yeah. It's not very much so.
1: Now taxes aren't bad, but it's funny how uh, people come in from out of state and they live
2: free or die. Yeah, I love that. Some—that's—it's on their license plates. Yeah.
1: Actually my uh, my wife has a friend who from down this way, I'll say. And uh, <laughs> you know, it was it's like we had no helmet law, you know, motorcycle helmet law yeah. or anything. And so she always said, live free and die. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was that was always her
1: thing. But she was also one that didn't understand a lot of the basics of like she'd see places where I mean logging in, you know, New Hampshire and yeah. Northeast and stuff. And so she'd see where they would they'd be logging and she'd be like they're gonna they're gonna replant a tree for each one they cut, right? <laughs> and we're like, no, come back in a year and see how many are already grown up. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, no, it's clueless, you know. Clueless. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: they do grow back, you know. Oh yeah, the trees oh, fast, a yeah. like, and, and, lot fast. And here's the thing: like, they need to grow back. It's, I don't I don't understand that people ha- have an issue with logging. It's like. You know if I cut all the trees down, I'm out of business, right? Like, I have to have more trees. So we're going to make sure that we sustain this and that we have more trees growing. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.